For some watch enthusiasts, a good sport watch needs a good strap. And most of the times, that person will find themselves looking for a good native strap. And our next guest knows a thing or two about them. You heard his voice back in episode 82 of the Bellingham podcast. His name is Terry. He goes by the handle at ToxicNatos, and he's a watch strap brand, as well as a friend of ours in the watch fam. You've tuned into the Bellingham podcast miniseries, The Watch Fam, brought to you by The Analog Explorer. Read about my analog manifesto through my photography and my passions of travel and watches in print or now as a digital magazine at theanalogexplorer.com. Now in the watch fam, there's often something called references. Usually a reference or reference number helps point people to certain makes and models of watches and it allows you to kind of establish a benchmark. So for instance, if you say just a Submariner, well, there's a lot of different reference numbers like a 16800 or a 6536 Big Crown. And these references just kind of bring a better context of what you're describing. Well, when you're talking about watch straps, it's inevitable that toxic natos will be brought up into the conversation. Because really, Terry makes a benchmark strap. It's easy to use it as a comparison tool for any other watch strap based off of not just its comfort, but its construction, and of course, its affordability. Now, Terry isn't just about toxic natos. Terry is Terry. He is a watch enthusiast, and he's very enthusiastic about certain elements within the watch fam. His love for Seiko being one of them, because he's all about Seiko through and through. But beyond that, you can tell that Terry is about quality. He's about enjoyment of these watches. And sometimes that even means modding or modifying them. But still, why watches? I don't. I don't presume that uh, you're you're wearing a watch with a toxic strap on it. Uh, are you? <laughs> uh, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, majority of the time, yes. But uh, I do wear a lot of straps from Uncle Seiko and oh yeah, and Cincy straps, and I have a ton of Uncle Seiko bracelets. So okay, well we digress. What's on your, What's on the wrist? A Grand Seiko Diver, the the quartz version. I think it's called the. Uh, SBGX one one seven. Oh um, yeah, yeah, black uh, black dial cathedral hands, and I th- isn't that a spring drive? No, this one's the quartz. Uh, spring drives are cool, but they come in a forty four millimeter. Even though it doesn't wear like a full forty four, it's still kind of big for my uh, my skinny wrist. So <laughs> so you know, uh, I actually like quartz watches a lot because yeah. uh, I probably like you. I wear my watch doing everything. Pretty much it does not come off my wrist except for a shower, maybe. And uh, so just can't beat the reliability of a quartz. Oh, yeah. No, we, we, we've talked about that on the show before. I mean, quartz, it's all these watches are tools. I mean, they're tool watches, yeah. right? So, I mean, quartz is a, you know, it, if you're running a jackhammer, I would not uh, wear a Rolex. I'm just saying that'd probably be a bad <laughs> idea. You know, quartz is great. I mean, it just, you know, some some peeps in the watch fam just don't glom onto it or kind of, you know, throw some shade towards it. But yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with that. And Seiko, dude, like they kind of define the quartz and the crisis, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when you think about it, though, a lot of oil rig work, workers were date just working oil rigs in oh, yeah, the valid. Uh, 70s and 80s. And that's some hard work. Uh, yeah, dude. I'm too wimpy for that kind of work. But uh and I'm sure they didn't get their watches serviced all the time, but I've seen some from uh, old rigging guys when I lived in Louisiana that 
just look beat to crap and they still wore them every day. I don't even know how to read, read the dial. This crystal was so hammered on them, but, <laughs> but uh, I'm just sporting it on a toxic kangaroo because it's winter time and <laughs> best time to wear leather. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Well, in, in honor of uh, recording today, uh, I'm also wearing a, a Seiko. I've got my, my re- newly uh, restored, refurbished and supercharged uh, SKX031 on your uh, toxic, uh, the gray toxic NATO that you did exclusively for uh, TGN. Oh, nice. That's one of my favorite. So Terry of Toxic Natos, how did Toxic Natos get started? It wasn't intentional because in all honesty, I think I've said this in a few podcasts, I was not a NATO fan or, or a nylon strap fan up till like hmm, maybe three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And the whole reason behind that was because I had a Seiko Marine Master, which was the fourth one I have owned. <laughs> I can sometimes I'm a little slow on learning. And um it's a big watch, it's top heavy. And I was saying, you know what, the bracelet just isn't meshing with me this time. I'm gonna have to get rid of this watch, blah, blah, blah. And somebody said, you know, why don't you put it on a NATO? And I said, Well, you know, I don't want to do that because it's a cheap strap on an expensive watch. Yeah. And they're like, no, they're not all the same. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, whatever. You're just, it was just like white noise to me. I didn't want to hear it. Well, then I ordered some and, um, and I got them in and they were a totally different level than what I was used to. I was used to the cheap Amazon straps. Oh yeah. And, um, I was like, wow, these are really nice, but I got the wrong size in and I contacted the, the company I bought them from and, and they basically did not have good service. And so after 30 days of trying to get the correct size straps, I was telling my wife about it. And my wife said, you know, can you do better than that? I was like, I don't know. I'm not a salesman. She's like, you know, you don't have to be a salesman. Just be legit. Just call it the way you see it. And I was like, yeah, but you get on my case for calling it the way I see it. <laughs> She's like, well, you know, if you want to try it, go for it. And, and, uh, basically I had no money, <laughs> like 78 bucks or whatever, but, uh, uh, that's how toxic NATOs pretty much started. And, and then there was a lot of failures on trying to get the correct straps made the way I wanted them, blah, blah, blah. But um, I thought there was a gap between the Amazon strap and the Omega NATO. Totally. Big gap there. And still kind of is to a certain degree, but it's starting to get filled up, you know, pretty fast in the last year or so. But, um, and I thought I could fill that. And since I'm a Seiko guy, Seiko guy through and through, I noticed that there was a lot of other issues with, with what's being provided is that so many people have to go to different sites to figure out what works, buy this part from this guy, buy this from that guy, buy this. And so my, my goal eventually is to, like now, I carry about every spring bar possible for a Seiko diver and every combo that you can think of. And because the spring bars to me are the most important part on a watch. And, um, and then, you know, I carry straps that are predominantly in the size that Seiko's normally come in. Mm-hmm. I used to carry 18 millimeters, but they did not sell at all. So unfortunately, uh, I don't have capital to put stuff on the shelf to sell one or two straps a month, you know, right, right, a right. certain size. So, so that's pretty much how Toxic NATO's got started. It was, I thought there was a need that needed to be filled and I thought I could do it. Did I do it? Ah, I think so to a certain degree, but you know, at the same time, a lot of other companies have started during that time that they filled it also. So, so I I believe there's more options out there now. 
which is always a good thing. The way that I usually describe toxic natives, honestly, is kind of like how I describe the SKX 007. Like the SKX, I mean, that watch is basically currency in the, the watch fam. Like everybody's either had it, worn it, and knows the dimensions, and we all can compare any other watch to that case style and that 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 design. And I kind of feel like toxic natives are the same way. Like you got you are like the baseline where it's like, oh, I've had a crappy eBay watch, uh, watch strap, and I've had a toxic natives. And it is like night and day. Like, I don't know what you do to the nylon or how you source the nylon, but yours break in and get softer over time. Whereas the eBay ones or whatever, they always feel like they, I don't know, the bottom of a barrel from a, a ship sail or something. Like, <laughs> Are uh, they horrible? They yeah. are so bad. <laughs> right. Like, oh, they're junk. So like what, <laughs> they are junk. I'm sorry. <laughs> So like, how did you, how did you source uh, the materials that you did and come up with the design that you have for Toxic? Because you do use some premium hardware and the nylon itself, like Terry, I'm not going to lie, like I've climbed mountains with a Toxic NATO on my wrist and, you know, I, I, I grab your strap largely because I know it's not going to break. Like it is durable yet soft. I can wear it pretty much on a mountain or ride it on my motorcycle and not have to worry about like my watch flying off. Like you know, how did you come up with what you've made as, you know, the normal toxic G10 and, and the shiznit and everything else? Well, let me say before uh, we progress in that is that one good thing about those Amazon straps is that they come in all kinds of color schemes. Sure. So if you're somebody that wants to match your belt with your shoes or and stuff like that, which that's cool. Some people are like that. I used to be like that. They have that. But don't expect that color to stay there too long because it's all dyed and it's all going to fade out. And then you're basically wearing a garbage bag on your wrist <laughs> made out of made out of a garbage bag. It feels like so. So with toxic natos, I don't have a ton of variety on colors because in all honesty, the solid colors is what matches more stuff and, and, and is either easier to sell because that one off strap with like 92 colors from a color chart is maybe going to sell one or two a year, you know, sure, sure. that special customer. And when you have to make about 350 per color and per size, you have to decide what colors are going to succeed and which one's going to fail. In all honesty, it's been a pain trying to figure out what works. Uh, I did a lot of tests with my straps. I've soaked them in cheap Walmart uh, tuna. <laughs> the oil-based version and let it sit. I can't remember how many hours. Maybe it was 72 hours, something like that, in the sun here in Colorado Springs. Because my point was I was trying to see if the nylon would retain the funk because everybody was telling me, oh, nylon smells, blah, blah, blah. You sweat on it. It's wrong. Anything funks if you don't wash it. Sure. But So I thought if I took the nastiest thing I could find at that time and soak it, and then wash it with Dawn detergent with my hand and see if the smell stays. And it didn't stay. So I was like, well, you know, this must be a good nylon then. But it's a good nylon that's still comfortable because you have to decide. I could have done one made out of the same material as Perlon, the garbage bag feel. Right. And it wouldn't retain no smell, but it would feel like crap on your wrist, you know? Right. You know, and then somebody had told me that if you use spring bars on your buckles, They'll fail. And I was like, okay, that's cool. So I took them and I took a ratchet strap, hooked it to it. I used a, a scale for weighing fish mm -hmm. and hooked it to the other end and seen it. And I was trying to see how far I can go with this ratchet strap hooked to a watch strap 
with just a spring bar and and it held over 50 pounds of pressure so iso writing is 50 pounds mm-hmm. dude if you're if you're taking more if your spring bar takes more pressure than 50 pounds or more more impact than 50 pounds i want the spring bar to fail because you're going to lose your arm <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe I'm not thinking that correctly, but in my opinion, I think 50 pounds is doggone good, you know, because I personally, I think this one piece buckles in theory sound better because you're like, that's not going to fail. Yeah, but you might lose your wrist because it's not going (laughs) to fail, you know, so, so, you know, you have to give or take and, and it's been tough because like with the shiznit material, it was a real pain to get it where the, the problem is, is the nylon is such a high count. It's almost like bedroom sheets. So yeah. if you have bedroom sheets, 200 count, these straps are like 2000 count. Well, when you go to seal that hole, it's a lot harder to seal than it is a 200 count sheet. Sure. You have to give up a little bit when you use a softer material because it's going to fray more. So they're pretty sturdy and, and, and I had them webbed down the side and then they're, they're all uh, seam sealed and, and sewn. Um, but they were a real pain, I got to tell you, <laughs> because, you know, other people were coming out with, with seatbelt straps. Yeah. And I was kind of getting disenchanted because I was like, I really want to carry this material, but I'm not going to carry crap. So I had to wait and wait and wait until I had the, the best product I could put out for the price. Because I think I was, I don't know, maybe six months or so after other people were putting it out and it was like, shucks man i want to do this now but you know my wife said hey you know just back off of the throttle you know and and you want to put your name on it if i had to tell the truth my my favorite nylon now is the toxic rogue so basically we took the same material you use for a zulu um and use it on nato but we we left enough clearance so it's still you're still able to tuck it back because usually on uh, Zulus you're only able to do it with Zulu hardware because it's so much taller. Right. But uh, uh, man, I love the Rogue. It's tough the first few days, you know, a little. But when it breaks in, it's perfect. Oh, it's it's like five finger shoes. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're not the prettiest thing, but after a few days, you're you're in heaven. Oh, I mean, like when it comes to, I mean, a watch is a tool, right? And so even with every tool, like the accessory that it, it, it is, and I mean, a watch strap is an accessory that augments this tool because you can have a two-piece strap, but, you know, if you have a spring bar failure, you lose it. Like the NATO was designed for utilitarianness for, for military. Like right. it's kind of funny because like the, the one thing I appreciate you and your brand and, and even the, all of the instructional videos you put up online is you kind of, you're, you're no BS. And honestly, you encourage people like, look, if you don't like it, if you don't like the, the, the keeper on the bottom, cause it stands up too tall, you can cut it off. Here's how you do it. Step one, take my strap, cut it. Step two, melt it with a lighter. Don't get too close and don't breathe this stuff. Like you're no nonsense. And you actually encourage people to make this their own. Yeah. Because you know, it's just like your car. If you buy a car from a dealer, you're going to put wheels on it. You're going to put air fresh, you're going to ex- put accessories on it and make it yours. You're going to put some dorky coffee sticker in the window, whatever, you know, do the same thing with your watch. Yeah. It might not be my strap. It might be somebody else's strap, but finding the combo that works, uh, is part of the, the fun in my opinion, you know? So, so something else in the watch room that's kind of interesting, uh, is, the whole concept of modding. Like we talked about, you know, you encourage people to mod their strap to make it, you know, make it theirs. Just like, 
just like a watch. Yet again, there's some people in the group that says, thou shalt not touch thy dial. <laughs> you, you recently, I, I noticed like put uh, these awesome Grand Senko hands on, I think it was the, the mini, uh, the, the mini Marine. I can't remember which watch. Yeah. Mini Marine master. Yeah. Yeah. I've also done it on the Shogun also. So with, uh, with toxic natives, like, are, are you like a watchmaker or are you just a modder or? No, I'm neither because I, I have fat fingers. I used to do some mods back about 10 years ago or so. I used to do a lot of, uh, some of the old guys call them hybrids. They're, uh, you take a Seiko 6309, the original cushion case. You could buy those in the Philippines back then for like a hundred bucks. Yeah. And then you would dump the guts out of it and then you get a Seiko 7548, which is the quartz SKX pretty much. Right, right. You put the guts in it and then we called it a 6309-7548 hybrid. Hmm perfect watch well now they're too expensive to do that but so i used to mod a lot of those did that a lot um purchased a lot of mod parts from yabankis and yeah and noah fuller back bef- before it was dagas yeah. 10 watches back then and and the guy named randall benson who they used to call dr seiko used to be around uh but um i wasn't good at it hmm. i could put it together what i wanted you know, and the style, but I, I never felt, it never felt like it was my job to do it. You know, always felt like, man, I probably did. I should have done this. I should do that. So I do tinker with watches, but I'm not great. Okay. So I have two watchmakers that I work, that works for me full time actually. Uh, and I have one guy that is just a modder and he's been modding for about 18 years. Wow. Um, Yeah. He's one of the the main guys back in the day that started modding. But my two watchmakers, one super old. I don't know what's going on, uh, how much longer I can keep him. He's he's 68 right now. Oh, wow. His dad started the business in 1947. And then the other guy I have just got out of school eight years ago. And he's really great. He's super meticulous. So sometimes stuff takes longer. But I like that because you can put your name on it and say, you know what? I know this is legit. Right, you know, there's right. No, there's no... The jewels got polished. Everything was done correctly. There's no ifs, ands, and buts. So I personally do still touch watches every once in a while, but not as much. If I have a problem child or my younger guy, if he has an issue, I'll go by the shop and, you know, we'll talk and investigate because in all honesty, sometimes uh, two or three heads together work better, you know? Oh, yeah. Like you and I had talked about that uh, keyless issue, you know? Yeah, the SW200. That thing, I was ready to blow it up. And you know the worst part about it? Is the watch is labeled as a limited edition watch that came with a 2824 and it's never been opened and it had a 200 in it. Yeah, I remember you told me that. Like when you DM'd me, I was just like, I knew exactly what the issue is. Like, <laughs> and it's like, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, but I also warned you, like the thing about it is like, you're gonna, you're gonna take the dial side off. You're gonna reset the keyless. You're gonna put it together. You're gonna test it. It's gonna work fine. You're going to reassemble the dial. You're gonna put the hands on. You're gonna uh, hit the detent lever. You're gonna encase it. You're gonna slide it in and not hear it click. <laughs> right, it's gonna dump on you again. I've never been able to find anything regarding that keyless issue, and it's it's common if you read in the forums. Oh, it's real common. It's so common, it's pathetic because there's no answer. No, there's none. Uh, it's a dead end. The the you, I think I told you the end of the story. Basically, the the cheapest route when you put man hours into it was a new movement. It's like a waste. We wasted so many hours on that. You know, we had three hours into this thing. 
and was annoyed. It's like I could have bought a new movement for what was it, 118 bucks? I'm like, shucks. And I even talked to the owner and I said, you know what? Your watch is supposed to have this in there. He's like, yeah, I know. He's like, I'm pretty disappointed, but just keep the movement that's in there. Uh, just get the same model. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I personally would recommend a 2824 over it, but hey, you know, it's your watch, dude. Yeah. And, and, uh, and this guy is not, he wears his watch and beats the mess out of it and everything. And he loves it to death. And that's what matters. You know, yeah. that's what, that's what being a watch guy, in my opinion, matters is when you love uh, something enough or, or you enjoy wearing it so much that you would never go without it, you know? And so when you were talking about the safe keepers and all that, man, I can't even imagine that. <laughs> I'm like, that's so far away from me. I'm like, no way. If it has to sit in a safe or depreciate, I don't need it. Cause I, I'm not going to win the lotto. So no, <laughs> you know. no. Like I, I, it's kind of like, I don't know, like cars and, and watch, uh, watch aficionados. Like we we're kind of the same thing by and large. There's not a lot of trolling like in, in other like collecting circles. Like we all kind of pretty much as, as long as you mind your P's and Q's, like we're all open, like we're all willing to share and help out and stuff. And the, it's kind of like with cars, right? Like I, I love my Toyota Tacoma, you know, and I also love a Ferrari La Ferrari. I will never own La Ferrari, but I can totally appreciate it. And in the watch community, like it's the same thing. Like I love Seiko, much like you. And I love Citizen. And I also love Frederic Constant. And, oh, yeah. And I can appreciate an Elanga and Zona datagraph. Oh, absolutely. It's just amazing that, um, a true story, like Chris and I went to a Red Bar event. And it was funny because as we we're driving up, he was just like, dude, I'm kind of having second thoughts of this. I'm like, why, dude? Like, I know you're an introvert, but come on. And he goes, no, dude, like, I just got this SKX, you modded it, and it's not a big deal. And I'm like, Chris, that makes it a big deal. You're also a unicorn. You only own one watch. And <laughs> we've, wow, we've made that is it. a unicorn, <laughs> <laughs> right? And he goes, yeah, but I mean, I've, I've seen red bar pictures. And I go, dude, you're going you're gonna to get a good dose of the, the watch fam. And it was funny because, you know, here we are, and we're talking to lots of different people. There's vintage Rolex, like the GMT Master II. There's a Saxonia. And then the data graph is out and stuff. And I remember, like, the, that owner was just talking to Chris. He's like, wow, this is a really cool watch, dude. And Chris is merely looking at this going, yeah, but this is like a tiny city I'm holding in my hands. And yeah. it's just as much. And it kind of dawned on him. It's just like the cost doesn't matter. It's the passion of the, the, that goes into that person owning and wearing this thing for however they have it. And it kind of clicked. And that's, that's what's really great about this community. We're all in it together and we all can appreciate what that next thing is. Those high-end pieces, it is okay to just have an SKX. Like we were talking about, about modding, you know, that's, I love that because, you know, sometimes a manufacturer doesn't get it right or they don't get it right for you. Right. So like the reason why I had the Marine Master 200 modded, well, to apply markers on the dial, weather brushed, the hands are matte. Why would you put matte hands on a, on a brushed or polished applied marker dial? That makes no sense in my opinion. And I had to, to knock off Grand Seiko hands on a Shogun and I really liked it because the Shogun had the weird uh, monster hands to polish yeah. chrome ones. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that handset. That, you know, the hands just did not match the watch. And, and it was such a dope watch. So when, when I mod it, it becomes mine. It takes it that, that step farther. And, and you've done a lot of mods too. And you totally know what I'm talking about. And you built your own watch. 
uh, I usually break my own watch. Oh, I've done uh, a few of those too. <laughs> well, have I? I got a couple of SKXs laying right here. <laughs> uh, but that's part of the reason why I do not work on customer watches is because I know my, my skill set and, and uh, that is not my skill set, you know. Heck, I'm not even a salesman. I'm still trying to figure that out three years later. <laughs> so like you were talking about, so we have in Denver, we have a Mile High Watch Group. And we put that together. Well, actually, a uh, guy, he goes by the handle, the James 80. Him and I put it together like two years ago, maybe three years ago. And he, he basically does all the work. He just pings me whenever he has a question. And uh, we do have a local red bar that just opened up up there couple of our guys do go to it. We also have a NAWCC meeting up there every year. And, and like you were talking about, my first Patek I seen, a dude was wearing it and he was in broken down jeans. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the coolest watch, chocolate dial. But uh, we have a, a friend of mine that was with me, Kelly. He lives in Denver. This guy's been collecting since the 80s and he doesn't sell anything. Oh, wow. So he has like four or five uh, mop dial DJs, uh, Dayjust, a couple of Submariners, a couple of Doxes, some Marnies. And if you saw this guy, this guy's got like t-shirt on, cut off khakis, and usually Crocs. And the guy's got the dopest watches you've <laughs> ever seen, you know, or a Marine Master. He's got a couple tunas. It's like, you know, he, he doesn't come as much, but, you know, yeah. some of the coolest stuff you see, we, we have a guy, Kellen, that comes quite a bit. And he makes his own dials and stuff, and he mods SKXs. Oh, that's rad. You know, and he does a pirate theme on there. You know, he's in a textile industry, but this guy is super creative. But, you know, so for me, there is different levels of guys, it seems, in the watch world. Yeah. But I like the enthusiasm through all the levels. Sometimes it seems kind of fake when you start, when you meet certain ones. But, you know, that happens in everything. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter what the price point is. The guy can have you know a collection of SKXs in his safe. I know a guy like that. He doesn't wear them. He wears an Apple Watch, but he thinks that they're gonna. He thought they were gonna uh, stop producing them, so he's hoping that they'll be worth something one day. Well, they might be. That's cool. Sure. You know, he just has no enthusiasm for watches. He bought it as a as a piece of property, and and that's cool. That's his 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 deal. You know, but. I think most of the guys I deal with are, are, are like you and me. We wear what works for us. If it doesn't work, it's out the door and let's get another one. You know, let's, yeah, yeah. it's like a new pair of rims. Let's try it every year, every six months. I tend to flip quite a bit. But the reason why I flip a lot of watches and buy a lot of watches is I try to find a watch that everybody wonders, how does this watch fit? Well, not everybody has 500 bucks to just go and buy a watch. And I don't either. But I tell my wife, Hey, I'm going to sell it and I'm going to get it back later, but <laughs> I'll buy the watch and then I'll do a video comparing it to SKX or I'll post pictures on Instagram saying, this is what it looks like against the baseline, the SKX or the SRP or, or, you know, whatever I have at that time. And, and a few guys have loaned me watches so that I'm able to do that. Uh, I'm going to do one soon of the 62 Moss re-edition and the Marine Master 200 because a lot of people wonder how those two correlate to each other yeah. and compared to SKX. So I just try to make the journey a little bit easier and people <laughs> lose less money <laughs> trying to figure out what works, you know? Well, and what's, what's funny is getting back to that guy that you were saying, like you probably has a, a safe full of SKXs because I mean, yeah, they're not being minted anymore, but 
I mean, let's face it, Seiko, Seiko up until I think the Apple Watch was probably like the biggest uh, per capita watchmaker like in the world. Like, I mean, Rolex makes a lot of, probably a lot more money, but I mean, Seiko, there's, there's so many of them still out there. And on top of that, you know, there's been so many modders in the, the culture around it. Like you're going to find SKXs and that, that 0020 case for quite a long time. But getting back to that guy that, that had them, you know, it's funny because like you and I see that and like, it's not an investment, it's not a piece of property. And if you talk to a real watch, somebody who's really an enthusiast about watches and you ask them one question, which is where the series is kind of gone for me. And it's funny because if you're wearing one and you actually worn it for a long amount of time or even a short amount of time, they've always got stories. Yeah. So Terry, <laughs> why watches? You know, honestly, the first thing that happened was my dad got me a calculator watch in school and I was not good at math. So I did cheat and I enjoyed the, the watch. Unfortunately, my, my middle brother who, who should have became a watchmaker was a tinkerer and took my watch apart and broke it. And my dad bought me another one. It happened a few times, but either <laughs> way. And then I got into swatches because in the eighties swatches were the thing. And they were a dime a dozen. It was like collecting baseball cards almost. And I had a bunch of swatches and then I had a any digital Seiko my mom got me for high school graduation. And uh, that was it. I was hooked. And that watch got destroyed. I, I used to be into riding uh, bicycles a lot and road bikes. And I crashed on the road pretty hard and on my road bike. And it cut all the way through the crystal and the case and the dial and, and uh, tore my arm up pretty bad. But it actually, you know, the watch saved my arm pretty much. Oh, wow. A road rash. But uh, uh, somebody had tried to take me for a joy ride. I was basically riding a road bike. And somebody tried to grab the back of my seat and speed up in a car and take me for a ride. Yeah, it didn't go too well. But uh, it happens. You know, you find indifferent people <laughs> anywhere you go. But uh, uh, but that got me into watches. And, and it just stayed with me. And they're just a part of my life. You can probably pull my DNA and see Seiko in it or something. Or, <laughs> I don't know. I'll see see these weird SKX imprints in there and be like, what is that? We got we got the results, Terry. And your yeah. DNA is brought to you by the letters S, K, and X. Yeah. What's going on with you, you weirdo? But uh and my wife still thinks it's weird, you know, but uh she has her own niches, you know, stuff she enjoys. So so uh, for me, it's just watches. It used to be cars, and I still love cars, but affordability is gone. <laughs> and my daughter's kind of into it a little bit. A not, little bit? Not a ton. Yeah, she's got a G-Shock. She wears a lot. And, oh, that's uh, cool. Friends aren't, though. So mm. at the age of 12, it's all according to what our friends are into. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, so when we go skateboarding, first thing she does is put her watch on and her helmet. So <laughs> when she's around me, she's got her watch on. That's cool. But my wife does not wear one, which is a whole nother story. <laughs> you know, this is something I found out the hard way. Okay. I tried to push my thoughts on her about what she should wear in a watch. And she wanted a Michael Kors watch and I was appalled. Uh, so I bought her a date just, she hated it. Whoa. And then what? I sold it and I got her a salmon Dow date just, and she was mad because she couldn't read the dial in the sunlight because oh, they, have no, they have no AR coding. Yeah. Valid. And then it would wash out and I totally understood. But you know what her pet peeve was? Why do I have to set the date every so often or, or the time on it? Because she would let it die down. Got it. Yeah. So then I finally bought her what she wanted and now she doesn't want her. So you know, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, you know, just 
buy her what she wants. It's like to all guys out there, don't force a watch onto your wife. <laughs> buy her what she wants. But, yeah. Uh, I should have just got a ceramic Michael Kors <laughs> and just <laughs> let it be, but did not work. And when she did wear one, she beat it to mess. Like it looked like it had been through World War II twice. <laughs> it was like, wow. And it was only like six months old. I'm like, what happened to it? Or I'd go into the house and it's upside down on the counter. I'm like, crystal down. I'm like, why would you even take it off? That's the first thing, my first thought. And the second one is, one of our animals would knock it down. But you can't explain how that would affect a watch. You'd be like, that's a cheap watch then. Why would that hurt Hurt it if it fell on the ground? You know, it's like a whole different story. <laughs> but yeah. courts would have been better, that's all. <laughs> Thanks so much, Derek, for being on the show. Absolutely, AJ. Thanks, brother. Thank you for uh, inviting me. And uh, man, keep me a part of your journey. For me, that's what it's about. You know, the journey, positive, negative, whatever happens along the way, because, you know, life does get in the way and sometimes you lose direction and, you know, go away from watches, but it pulls at heartstrings, you know, especially when you're involved a lot. That wraps up this special edition of the Bellingham Podcast. Thank you again so much for listening to us, rating us, reviewing us, wherever you like to get your podcast. Remember, if you're in the Bellingham area, you might be listening to us on KMRE 102.3 FM, Low Power. Community radio here in the heart of the city by the Salish Sea. And also remember that this mini-series is brought to you by The Analog Explorer. Find out more about my analog manifesto through my photography, my love of travel, and of course, my tick for watches. You can read about it in a digital magazine or in print at theanalogexplorer.com. Thank you again so much for tuning in. I'm AJ Barce, and we will see you next week.